0: All right, what's up, everyone? This is the weekend edition of the Real Vision Daily Briefing. And in this clip, you're going to hear a great conversation between Ralph and one of Real Vision's favorite guest personalities, Russell Clark, discussing the impact of innovation such as extracting oil and gas from shale, the ongoing center of gravity shift from capital to labor, and the vulnerabilities of centralized risk management. So much good information in this clip. Enjoy. Russell, fantastic to see you as ever. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it feel,
1: these days, it feels like a week is like a month, and a month is a year, and uh, everything that we used to know is no longer true. And it's just uh, it's exciting and tiring at the same time, I think. Well, that's that's the way I feel about life. life. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So what are you up to these days? Give, give people a bit of background of what you're up to, because it's super interesting. Yeah, you know, last year, I decided
1: to you know, close down the fund uh, and give um, give money back to investors. Um, and, you know, at the time it was partly because the way, you know, when I'd come into the industry, you know, it sort of came through as an, an analyst and I used to ask what I thought were difficult questions. And then when I came to an answer, I go, okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then you get a quite a clear vision of where the world was going or how everything was interconnected. And then over the last sort of few years, I started to like, you know, it just became that type of, that world that seemed to have died, if that makes sense. So uh, I don't know if it's, you know, purely central bank activism or just, you know, just we are moving into a different era, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, but I really, you know, I lost the sort of feeling that I had an edge on where things are going. Cause, uh, and so it just made sense for me to like, step back uh, and give money back. And so now I'm, basically just thinking about the world and then I write my thoughts on, on my website, uh, which is, you know, russellclark.com, russell with a hyphen, uh, clark.com. Um, but I must, add, I find it, it's been you know, liberating because, uh, you know, it's in a way sort of saying, okay, let's go back to the beginning, have a look at what works, what doesn't work. Um, and let's try and understand where we are. Um, I think, you know, you know, there are many things in the last year or so that you know, have really confounded me. For example, you know, I think I'm not sure. Last time I talked to you, I talked about food inflation, perhaps to you, uh, Raoul. But, um, you know, it's sort of highlighted that a year ago to a lot of people. Anyone who was still managing money, that food prices were going to go to to the roof. Um, and so, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, well, let's stop central banks from doing QE. Uh, and what we've seen is food prices continue to roof higher, uh, and the Fed's still buying securities on this sort of incredible basis. Um, and you know, so it's like, okay, everything I used to understand doesn't sort of hold together. So now I'm like looking around trying to understand things a bit better. Um, and then hopefully well, not hopefully we'll see once I've got a, a stronger grip on how the world works,
0: I think. Uh, you know I'll look for ways to play that. It's interesting. I, I, I did a similar thing to you back in 2005 that I opted out of running a hedge fund and started writing, and I found that writing process immensely useful because you organize your thoughts better than you do when you're in the thick of the action of you know, having to live by monthly P and; Ls and monthly NAV. It kind of it's a really useful process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Although, uh, my, personally, you're probably a bit different to me. Personally, uh, I'm my natural default is laziness, so I, I'm very happy lie in bed and do nothing. So unless I set up a structure that forces me to do something, uh, I'll do nothing. Uh, I don't know where <laughs> it's come from, but like uh, when when I need to lose weight, I sign up for a half marathon, or if I if I need to learn a language, I sign up for a, a test in a year or something, uh, just so I have. Motivation. So the the website acts as that sort of motivation. Otherwise, I just sort of do nothing. I think um, not nothing, but it, it's yeah, and it's it's sort of working well. I mean, what I found is that um, yeah, you know, I think the first time I ever came on Real Vision, uh, I talked about shale with you. Uh, That's right. And I, you know, and the thing is, like, I looked at shale and I went, "This makes no sense to me because it doesn't make any money. Why is anyone doing this?" Uh, and, you know, what was interesting is I think that was correct. there's a lot of shale companies did exactly go to the wall. Uh, they were capital destruction machines, but the weird thing I started to notice is actually, it might actually be the real deal, um, to my surprise, you know, and it's just going through that. And when you're managing money, it's a little bit hard because if you commit to one view on something and then you raise money on the back of that view, uh, the, the threshold for you changing your opinion suddenly goes through the roof because you, you're going to go back to people and say, oh, actually, shale is a real deal. Whereas when you're sort of more sort of independent and free, you can look at it and go, actually, the data now is coming in very differently to how I expected. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened recently. It's like, I, I must say, I thought when they started to go through this huge inventory of old wells, in this uh, this drilled uh, uncompleted wells in the States, I thought they were going to find that these wells were empty. They had no oil or gas. They were just drilled to raise money. And so you'd see productivity collapse. And the opposites actually happened. Productivity sort of gone up a lot. Um, And that's been like also sort of mind opening for me because it explains a lot of these sort of weird things like I look at US budget deficit. You can look at the Fed. I look at you know a lot of things, and think, God, the dollar should just get absolutely crushed, and all it does is stay very strong I and mean, very strong against you know currencies like Russian ruble, Turkish lira, of course. But it's you know you've I think perhaps we're in the you know the shale revolution. I suspect maybe I've underestimated, um, and again, you know, it just feeds back into this.
0: What what you're thinking is U.S. energy independence is a larger factor than people imagine, therefore the US is exporting less dollars into the world. Is that part of the thesis? What I found is
1: extending an idea too far that, like, okay, they're not going to export dollars and there's not enough dollars. And I like that extension, because I, I find that the, the the they're not exactly joined up. There's an idea behind them that's okay, but it's not exactly joined up. I think a better way of thinking about it is, um, the shale technology works; it does keep increasing productivity. But the only country with the infrastructure to use it properly is the U.S. So this gives them a, a long-term structural energy uh, advantage in, and you can really see it. Uh, I think I, I, I said since some to, some research to you, but you know it's been staggering to see like natural gas LNG prices in in Europe and Asia. Uh, tripling, quadrupling in some cases, and U.S. prices are still around the five buck you know, per cubic feet type thing. Um, and when when I look at shale, and you know, what I expected to see is maybe gas prices, natural gas prices, stay low, but oil prices uh, moving much higher uh, because shale is naturally much better for gas and for oil. But you know what we see is you know, U.S. energy prices stay relatively low. Um, and so, you know, the, the world that we are used to from like the seventies onwards, when the U S was reliant on, uh, energy imports, maybe that's dead. Maybe that's what we're seeing is that now the U S doesn't need to rely on foreigners for anything really. Cause they export food, uh, now export energy. Um, maybe the world we lived in is now dead and that I, I like that because the world has changed the financial world has changed substantially from from how it used to trade maybe
0: 10 5 6 7 years ago is that also part of the ongoing breaking of supply chains or regionalization of supply chains is that how we can think about this because it, th- that's definitely something that's that's been underway trump accelerated but, but but it feels like that's going to continue
1: yeah i must say my line of thinking um uh is that I've, I would say you, know, you and I would have come of age in an era of free markets, right, where the idea was both capital and industry should move to where it was most efficient, um, and you know create a world that you know where efficiency was prized over over all things, um, and that world was sort of uh, conjured into existence and policed, I think, by the states. And I think that world was conjured into existence because it suited what America needed. So in the 70s and 80s, they were reliant on foreign supplies of commodities. And so they wanted that to be as cheap and as efficiently priced as possible. But also I think politically, we were coming from an environment in the post-World War II period where labor had a lot of political power. Um, And that political power was expressed in both full employment and rising wages. And a growing profit share, uh, a profit share to labor. And so I think there were these two things came together where suddenly politics in the US was focusing on A, reducing the power of labor and B, uh, reducing the price of commodities to the lowest degree possible uh, to create a deflationary environment. And that was the world we lived in. So what that world meant was that. Uh, governments would actually encourage unemployment from time to time via raising interest rates, via uh, fiscal austerity, you know, all the things that we now look as bad things. Central banks told us they're bad, governments told us they're bad, but they were there to encourage this sort of deflationary environment. And I used to think this was the natural ray of the world, but it was a world that was just uh, met the political needs that we had at the time. And you can see that now in that um, you know, when I look at the US now, it's like budget deficits don't matter, interest rate policy doesn't matter, the the political need seems to be driven almost exclusively by having asset prices as high as possible uh, to maximize the wealth uh, of the state or of, of the US as much as possible. But and now because of energy independence, you know, they can, you know, destroy trade with Russia, that's not really a big deal politically or for the markets. Um, There are some other angles I'm looking at that, which uh, I find very interesting. But, you know, when I traded them a few years ago uh, in a free market world, they would have led to huge bankruptcies. But it seems we're in a world where uh, bankruptcy, particularly for rich, uh, for wealthy people, is just considered a bad or a policy mistake. Um, you know, I don't know, I know how I feel about that, but that just says the reality.
0: Real Vision subscribers can always access this full interview over on our plus tier at realvision.com.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and
0: Ads.